Welcome to Puzzling Out, Thoughts and Perspectives from a Clinical Psychologist. Hello, my name is Dr. Gail Lewis, your podcast host, and a clinical psychologist practicing on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Today's podcast is entitled, Not Being Able to Touch and What That Feels Like. I've been thinking about what we're dealing with right now with all of the precautions that we're needing to take in light of the coronavirus and prevention measures, including social distancing, repeated hand washing, staying away from those who might be immunocompromised or over the age of 60 and therefore fall into the category of not having as strong immune systems as those of us who were under the age of 60. And registering what that's feeling like And as I'm thinking about this, I'm reminded of what it was like on 9-11 and for the weeks and months thereafter, when we were all feeling incredibly fragile and vulnerable and exposed and betrayed and terrified and scared much in the way that many of us are feeling right now. And we were told by our government, all of those people that were in charge, who knew what they were talking about at the time, to come together as communities and to be compassionate towards one another and to show kindness towards one another. And I remember at that time, which is a very unlikely experience in New York City, noticing that people were smiling more at each other, walking down the street, saying hello, and that we were encouraged to be around one another, be around those that we love and find comfort in company of other people so that we wouldn't feel so alone and that we would be able to enable that feeling of community and facilitate that feeling of belonging in a way that allowed us to be in each other's vicinity and in each other's personal space. And even if people weren't the type to be of the, quote, touchy-feely or hugging or kissing type of people, either in their friendships or in their family relationships, people craved finding ways to physically connect with the people in their lives and even 
with strangers just to feel like there was that human ability to be one with each other and to find solace and comfort in that. And the ways that we are being told to show compassion and consideration and acknowledgement of community right now involves the opposite. We are being told to keep away from those that we care about, to keep away from those we don't know, to not compromise the potential health of people that we care about because we ourselves, whether immunocompromised, immunosuppressed or not, could unknowingly be carriers of this very vulnerable making coronavirus. And while it still is in the stage of feeling very threatening, at the same time we're being told that it's very active and that it's not just threatening, that we are communicable vessels of a disease that we don't even know that we might be carrying and therefore it is safer to physically keep our distance from people and not to be able to touch people. We're even being told not to touch our own faces. And I'm, I'm feeling the very severe impact of that, um, even though the worst of it is yet to come. But in this state of preparing in whatever way that we can and whatever way that we're being told to, it just creates a more elongated period of being socially isolated and disconnected and physically unable to have that human touch of another. And I, I was reminded of a study that I, I learned about probably in undergraduate school, but also again, probably more formally in graduate school, um, done by Harry Harlow in the 1950s and 1960s. And it was done on monkeys and trying to establish what the importance is of maternal contact um, those were the initial studies, separating monkeys from their mothers and seeing what the effect was on them psychologically and emotionally to the best of a researcher's ability to assess the psychological impact that human disconnect, that maternal disconnectedness from a monkey to another monkey might feel like. 
and it was assessed that the more time that the monkeys spent away from their mothers, the more insecure and agitated and disoriented they became. And then when they were reintegrated with their mothers and with other monkeys, they were incredibly disoriented and terrified and scary and not knowing how to have and ask for and receive comfort. And Harlow's studies were, were used to were used as empirical evidence for the primary foundation of describing the primacy of the parent-child attachment relationship and the importance of maternal touch in infant development. And for those of us who had the gift and blessing of growing up in environments in which maternal or some kind of maternal parental figure touch was available to us in a regular way and up until this point in time perhaps we've taken for granted that it's now been taken away from us and might be for some time leaves us feeling perhaps as vulnerable and scary and frightened as those infant monkeys were when they were reintroduced into a world in which their normal world was the absence of touch, which they got accustomed to but suffer terribly from, and then touch was made available to them and they didn't know what to do with it. So we're coming from a place where touch has been available to us and now we can't have it and we don't know what to do with that. And I think that's part of what emotionally is causing and is going to start causing even more stress for people. Not just the idea that you have to self-isolate and find ways to occupy your time and find ways to self-soothe, but also to find ways to live without the regular expectation of human touch. And many people certainly have the availability of someone with whom and some people with whom they live where human touch is ongoing during this very socially distancing time of our lives but there also might come a time when unfortunately let's just say one member in the family becomes infected and the way to protect other family members is to self-isolate and therefore that touch that was regularly available will then be withdrawn 
what to do then. I'm a psychologist who believes very strongly that as humans, we are relational beings. We are creatures that require human connection and not just emotional connection, which I think is of utmost importance, but of having physical connection. In the less than six feet space that is now required of us to keep distance from one another. I felt it was important to do a podcast on this because I think that many people, whether or not they're consciously feeling the anxiety of this social withdrawal or they're not quite registering yet and their defenses of denial and rationalization are kicking in, which I don't think anybody should be blamed for. And I say that because I speak to people all the time wondering why people they know are not anxious and are not worried and thinking that they're blowing everything out of proportion. And I can't tell you how many conversations I had in my practice this week trying to explain the value of our defenses and how when our systems are completely overwhelmed with stimuli that is just too much to process, such as what is going on right now in our world and what is to come in the projected significant toll that the coronavirus is going to take in the United States, our systems just can't tolerate it. And parts of us shut down and we can't sit with what we know is horrible and overwhelming and scary. So that's why a lot of people out there are acting as if everything is okay. Try not to be too hard on them. Try to be empathetic with the idea that this is what their systems need to do and that's what our defenses are there for. It might be frustrating because you might want to commiserate with those people, but they may not be the best people to commiserate with because their emotional world is not available to that. I'm sure you can find plenty of people who are emotionally as available as you are to at least talk to, if not visit with, to discuss how upsetting and overwhelming and terrifying this might feel, and this does feel. So I thank you again, as I always do, for listening to my podcast. I hope that there's some resonance in what I'm saying for those of you listening. And please pass this on to anybody who you think might benefit from hearing this 
I realize that this is not the most upbeat of podcasts, but it's a really relevant and I think grounding and important topic to speak about. And how I can say personally how very difficult it is for me someone who myself is immunosuppressed, who cannot visit my family, who does not live in New York, because I don't know who I've been in contact with. I might be a carrier. They might be carriers. Some of my family members are in the category of those who should not be touching people and who should not be risking themselves. So I speak from my own personal experience when I talk about this topic. Again, I thank you for listening and for your attention. If you want more information or if you'd like to comment on this podcast as always you can go to my website which is www.drgaillewis.com on the podcast page there is an area for comments my phone number and my email address are also on my website as is a page to schedule an appointment should you wish to discuss any of this or any of other topics that are on your mind or other podcasts I've spoken about if you wish to speak about them in person. In the meantime, please take care of yourself. Stay safe. Do things that are self-soothing for you. If you don't have anything in mind that's self-soothing for you, I'm going to post something on my website with some ideas to help you build up an arsenal of self-soothing techniques because you're going to need them. And it's a way to help you feel like you can manage your emotions in a time when everything right now feels quite out of control. And in many respects, it is. Take care. Thank you.